0: Ephesians 4, 1 to 6, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, verse 1 I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love There was a preacher who was walking up to a a bridge he saw in the distance. And as as he was walking up to this bridge, he saw this man who was standing on the railing of this bridge about ready to jump off. And so the preacher started getting a little, you know, getting a little nervous about this, started walking faster, gets close enough so the man can hear him and starts to yell, Stop! Don't do it! Don't jump! And the man (laughs) sort of looks over at the preacher and says, Why? Why? And then the preacher says, well, there's so much to live for. And the, uh, the man on the bridge says, like what? And the preacher says, well, are you, a, are you an atheist or are you a religious man? And the man on the bridge says, uh, I'm a religious man. And the preacher says, good, well, so am I. And uh, then the preacher says, so are you uh, like a Buddhist are you a Christian? The man on the bridge says, "I'm a Christian." And the preacher says, "Great, so am I." Uh, are you a uh, Are you a Catholic or Protestant? He says, "I'm a Protestant." Awesome! Great, so am I. Preacher says, "Are you uh, like an Episcopalian, or are you a Baptist?" And the man on the bridge says, "I'm a Baptist." Preacher says, "Awesome! That's great. So am I. Are you um?" Are you a Baptist church of the Lord or Baptist church of God? And the man on the bridge says, I'm a Baptist church of God. Preacher's like, score, me too. That's awesome. Are, are, you a, are you a Baptist church of God original or are you a Baptist church of God reformed? And and the the guy on the bridge says, I'm a Baptist church of God reformed. Reformed Baptist, me too. He says, are you a reformed Baptist church of God reformation of 1857 or 1915 the man on the ledge says reformation of 1915 <laughs> preacher is like die heretic scum and he pushes him over <laughs> how do we get how do we get from we're on the same team to die heretic scum i know it's a joke but there's some truth to that. how do we get how do we get to we're on the same team, achieving the same purposes and goals, trying to fight for the sake of the kingdom and the world and yet die heretic scum is sometimes kind of what goes on on the inside. Uh, we may not always, may not always say it, but that's actually sometimes what goes on when we have these squabbles and petty things and, and stuff that goes on internally and I'm not just talking about you know the body of believers these are squabbles that go on in our lives all over the place but they manifest themselves here just like anywhere else how do we get from how do we get from locked arms for the sake of God's mission in the world to well i didn't really like them because blank And if you've been been a part of the Christian world uh, for any period of time, you know that that blank can be filled with uh, item after item after item after ridiculous item of things that really have little to do with whether or not we accomplish our mission effectively. How do we get from, how do we get from we're in this together to you and I are now adversarial and yet we both claim Christ? The problem that Paul's talking about here in Ephesians is a problem of theological amnesia. It's a problem we're going to call today theological amnesia. It's forgetting who we are and what this is. The simple truth of today is not going to be anything fantastic. I'll say a couple of things along the way where they think, I think Scott's a little bit crazy about this church thing, but you can test that yourself. In basic terms, today we're just going to say the truth of the matter is based off last week, which is that we have access to Christ because of Jesus, second, uh, chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Because of the access that we have in Christ, we have a unity that is foundationally there, whether you believe it or not, it's there. We have it. Because it's the same thing, that was established for us in a personal relationship. Everybody last week's going, yes, I love you, Jesus. I have a relationship with you. I have access. And yet, and yet, that same exact truth is what makes unity present. Done. Already achieved in Christ. That's what Paul is reminding us of here in Ephesians. So... Before we jump into Ephesians, just a bit on this issue of how do we get from <laughs> how do we get from hey we're on the same team to die heretics come, I, I think I think that James four is a is a helpful piece of scripture uh, in this for us. I want to want to turn there. If you don't have that handy, you may want to go ahead and uh, turn to that with me here. James four one to two. It's not exactly a parallel to Ephesians in, in all ways, but James is a lot like Ephesians in that there are some things going on internally in the church. There are some struggles, some division, there's some strife. And uh, James was especially written to probably Jewish Christian house churches where some of these issues about, you know, what it means to be a good believer or not are coming up. There was also issues between rich and poor. Socioeconomic divides were issues in this church here in James So they're having these kinds of issues that are uh, problems that take them from, hey, we're on the same team, to die, heretic, scum. And James says this. He says, this is the problem, James 4, 1 and 2. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? He says, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? The word passions there is the same uh, root from which we get the word hedonism. That your pleasures, that your your selfish passions are at war within you. That word for at war is the same word as strategy. Uh, your passions are the strategy in you that is fighting against one another within you. That word for with the the, the word for within you there is the same as within your members, within the parts of your body. Uh, if you're familiar with Romans seven, where Paul says uh, this this. War is waging inside of me. It's the same kind of idea here in James. James is saying, you don't actually know what you want. You don't even know what you really actually want in this thing called the body. Well, Paul is saying from last week... So this week, what you want is that the access to Christ that you have individually is something to be given away to others. And so that connectedness that is established through Christ, that's what you want. You may not know it. You may not participate in that. You may not so much even think that that's why you're gathered here today, but it is, he's saying. We'll get there especially next week as we talk about how our connectedness is for the sake of, of growth, so that we mature so that our witness is faithful, so that our words, our service, our witness is used of God. So he says, verse 2, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. He's using figurative terminology here. But because your desires on the inside are at war, you don't know what you want out of this thing called the body of believers, he's saying. You murder others, figuratively. You find reasons for quarrels. You find reasons for dispute here. And so instead of locking arms for the sake of the kingdom, we're functionally sort of, you know, my purposes, my goals. More tradition. Less tradition. Louder music. Softer music. We actually do get both, believe me. We could keep going on and on and on and on. Color of carpet. More classroom teaching. More community outreach. Less of this. More of this. And as we'll see at the end, these things, though, they can be tools, they can be parts of how we do things. We have to practically live out our, our goals and programs. What we'll see is that the best thing we have to offer is not how good the music is, how good the preaching is, how, how nice the carpet is, etc. The best thing we have to offer is the same thing that was offered to us to have access to sit here as people for whom salvation is achieved through Christ. So let's keep rolling on here and uh, see some truths here in Ephesians uh, that are super cool truths about what the body is and what He's given to us in the body of believers. Theological amnesia is a forgetfulness for what God has done and who He is. And it's a forgetfulness. And the word amnesia is just meaning not remembering. And that word remembering is something we talked about a little bit last week, but ironically, ha ha, I forgot to a little bit. So jump in at uh, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verses, uh, we're going to start at 11 and uh, 12. This theological amnesia that we forget when we come to the body that is supposed to instruct us and inform us as to what we're doing here and who we are. He says, don't forget this, you've got to remember it. Look at verse 11 there in Ephesians 2. He says, therefore, in other words, because we forget who we are, In other words, to remember who you are, you have to remember that that this we thing is established here. It's not just you, it's we. He says, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, and then picks it up at verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated, alienated, strangers, hopeless, without God. That was the situation before. You have to remember that. He starts off in chapter 2, verse 1, saying you were dead and grace is a gift. That's the basic gist of the first half of Ephesians 2 there. You were dead, and grace is a gift. And you need to remember that you were dead if you're going to remember why we're here and what this is about. In other words, he's saying, Ephesians Church, First Christian Church, Greenville, you, me, all of us, we have to always remember that us being here is not, is, is not me, it's we. Read through Ephesians once a day. Read through a chapter a day. And you'll begin to realize that the plural, the the nouns, the pronouns, the way he's talking about things is, is that a church at large. You were dead. Ephesians 2, verse 1. You, plural, the whole body were dead. You people were dead in the trespasses and sins. Then verse 4, but God made us alive. Raised us up. Seated us. It doesn't say made you singular alive in verses five and six. It says, made us alive, raised us up, seated us with him. These are these are plurals that that Paul is using to say what we have here in the body of believers is just that access to Christ we talked about individually last week, writ large. Writ large. And that's the foundational stuff that we have to remember that we have to get over our amnesia about. That word remember there in Ephesians 2:11 and 12, that word remember there is uh, a word, you, you probably know the root. Uh, you know what a mnemonic device is. M-N-E-M-O-N-I-C. A mnemonic device is anything you use to practice something so that you can remember it, right? So like when I was playing piano as a kid, I learned that the treble clef, the lines are, Every good boy does fine. E-G-B-D-F. Or as I learned later, every good boy deserves fudge. My teacher didn't teach me that one. I remember feeling a little slighted when I learned that one in middle school. Uh, The Greek word for face is prosopon. I remember way back in seminary some (laughs) twenty years ago where the teacher said prosopon is easy to remember as face because you pour soap on your face. You prosopon your face, which it... Sounds a little silly, but I remember it now. We could talk about lots of things like that that we remember. That the recall is the trigger, the mnemonic device. That word used here for remember in Ephesians two eleven and twelve uh, means to recall information from memory, but not necessarily with the implication that you had forgotten it. It's interesting. Think about that for a second. Paul is using a word where he's saying, you have to bring back to mind what you knew was true. In other words, your presence here today as a part of the larger body of believers is a retraining of the mind about who you are. Please, 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 don't think about the body as, as some sort of just superficial measure of, you know, bucks and bodies and things like that. This isn't just about a, a building or budgets or how many people are here or things like that. What we, what we do here, what we have here, is a recalling to mind your participation here in the larger body of believers is a reminder of who you really are. and here's the part where you may think I'm crazy I think that's so true Paul's message in Ephesians I think it's so true that the body actually knows what you need better than you do the body knows what you need better than you do oh, I don't know about that Scott uh, I don't know about that I'm pretty sure I know what I need. Pretty sure I'm got daggone sure what I need. I don't know about your practical Christian life, but this is how it works for me. Were it not for the body of believers around me. Were it not for people both living as a model, a a, a proactive uh, demonstration of what the life of Christ looks like, in the flesh, without that as a model for me, and without those people around me, you, showing me what I need, as I see God working in you, like left to my own devices, left to my own devices, were it not for the body of believers, would not be standing here. That's true of every single one of us. That's true of every single one of us. That's how the body works, when it's, functioning, when it's functioning correctly. It shows you what the Christian life looks like. So theological amnesia is forgetting that. Theological amnesia is, is, is acting like, I can do this Jesus thing without you. And the only way it works, the only way the body works, is what we're going to see here in Ephesians 4, is living out the truth of what is already there. Look at Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 6 here. We're going to skip past some stuff that I've got here and get to Ephesians 4. Because this is where he says, basically, the body is where we learn to express the new humanity that He made of us in Christ. I'm not going to explain all that. Ephesians 2:15 and 16, if you want to write down, take notes. Ephesians 2:15 and 16 is where he makes explicit this idea that the body is the new humanity. Jew plus Gentile equals this body of believers. Now, that's a new human. He uses the word anthropos in verse 15. So, so the body is where that new humanity is expressed. In other words, what you have is a oneness in purpose in the body that unlocks God's work in your life and God's riches to work through you. Can you do it without the body? Some, sure, yes. Not as well as with. That's how I made it. That's how He made it. The oneness we have in purpose in the body is what unlocks God's work in your life and God's riches to work through you. Look at Ephesians 4 1 to 6 there. He starts off by saying, I, therefore, this is Paul writing to them, He says, therefore, which is to say, chapters 1 to 3, all of those riches and blessings and inheritance that we have in Christ, all that amazing stuff that He gives to us as a gift, that's key, as a gift, Ephesians 2, 8 and following, a bunch of other places too, but it's key to remember that it's as a gift. All that stuff given to us is why He urges us, and that word urge doesn't really translate well uh, as urge because, you know, sometimes... After dinner, you may have an urge to do, you know, go to the bathroom. That's not what this is talking about. This, this is like, uh, this is like a passionate. You, you, you do not do anything other than actively go pursue this kind of urgency. He's saying, I urge you, and then it's funny. He, he, he follows up that active word with some sort of almost passive ways of living. As we'll see, they're not very passive. Uh, they're very much like Christ, which is to say that strength is these things He lists. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one or another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If you, want, if you want a key phrase for this whole thing, it's eager to maintain the unity. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's what He's saying is the, the goal in this. And how we achieve that is to walk in a manner worthy of Walk in a manner that accords with the calling to which you have been called. And the calling to which we've been called is the calling that was given to us, Ephesians 2, 8 and following, in Christ. It's given to us in the person of Christ. We accept it by faith, obviously. We have, a, we have a part in that. But he's saying walk in a manner that's worthy of that calling, that's like that calling. So for us to be in the body is to do the body like Christ lived, which is with these things he mentions, humility gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. The way that the body works best, the way we protect the bond of peace is to be patient with one another. It's to be gentle. It's it's for you to bear in love with my frailties, and likewise. That's how how the unity is eagerly maintained. That's how this walk is done urgently. Think of the Christ, think of the sacrifice of Christ for us. He, he, he He did the impossible, which is to bring us salvation with peace, with gentleness, with meekness. Kindness. He bore the sins of humanity. So so to be eager to maintain the unity is to be eager to live out the truth that is already there. It's, It's maintain the unity. Paul isn't saying, hey, go out there and create unity in the body. Go create it. He's saying, No, no, live out of what you already have in Christ with one another. So the access that we talked about last week in 11 through 22 of chapter chapter 2 is what's lived out writ large among us and that's what makes unity happen. In fact, I think he, he believes this so strongly, Paul does here, that to live in discord, to live in disunity, to sow seeds of disunity in the body is to live like what Christ did for us wasn't quite good enough it's to live like we've got we've got to to work to get this right because what he did for me what he does for us on the cross wasn't quite good enough the first time he goes on in verses 4 through 6 here to sort of give the theological grounding the sort of doctrinal stuff that is ironclad about the faith and he's, he's putting that here it seems like a weird place but he's putting that here because he's saying as ironclad as this stuff is that he's about to say here again one Lord one faith one baptism as ironclad as that is is as how ironclad the unity of the body already exists he says this there is one body and one spirit And just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and then the seventh one, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What God has done for us establishes the unity that exists. Now, we call ourselves First Christian Church. Uh, we are a particularly local. We're a particularly local expression of the body at large, but we're well aware we're not the only game in town. The body of Christ in Greenville is larger than this. And, and so, what we need, we need to do is we need to think about what God has done in the world beyond just our own little, our own little uh, gathering here. The unity that exists in Christ isn't just unity that means that like, we talk nicely with one another. Obviously, that's a sign of it, right? But the unity that exists in Christ is something that does way bigger work than that. Way bigger work than that. The kingdom of God is working in ways that only God is aware of and that only He can count. So, so it's, real, it's real cool today. It's real cool and easy today to measure uh, whether or not Uh, the, the local body of believers is effective based on what I can count as its outward expression of community outreach. Let's just take that for example. There are other ways we could do this, but let's just take that for example. The outward expression of our community outreach could be measured by the, you know, two dozen or so organizations and ministries that we support. Some of them are people, some of them are organizations, a lot of them are here, some of them are nationwide, some of them are all over the world, and so we could you know, count and measure that stuff. We could count and measure things like Catalyst Coffee Company on the corner of Main Depot downtown, gives away 100% of the profits. That's something that we launched. And so that's a part of our outreach. Uh, we have, you know, t- teams of people who go off and do this kind of thing or small groups that go off and do that kind of thing. We have study groups uh, and things like that, that that go off on things. Our, our youth are going off on a mission trip. Uh, things like that happen all the time. We can measure those things. But the reality of what God has done in Christ and how it lives itself out organically through people is immeasurable in comparison to what I just said. Think about this for a second. It's real cool to say that the local, the local churches aren't doing enough, blah, blah, blah. I hear it. I get it. But listen, those of you with the Spirit of God in you are going to leave this place. And who knows how many times this week you're going to say something or do something in community with somebody, in relationship with them, in a way that extends the kingdom to them. That gives them a cup of cold water. That gives them maybe some resources they need. That extends some love and grace to them. That is just the word that they need to hear at the right time. The measure of that is far, far beyond what we could possibly fathom. The work of God in the world like that, that is the kind of thing we're talking about in the unity that is established by those who know Christ. Let me let me close with an illustration of this. It's sort of a big picture way of thinking about how, uh, how God has brought us together in ways that um, are beyond what we see. And that Paul is calling us to uh, to see more deeply about what Christ has done and the unity that does exist uh, and this is a bit of a cheesy thing so just go with me on it some of you are like yes I love cheesy everyone pick a number between 1 and 10 in your head number between 1 and 10 okay got it on the count of three I want you to s- just shout it out loud okay one two three <laughs> I heard seven <laughs> all right good now multiply that number by two, get it in your head. On the count of three, shout it out. One, two, three. Very nice. Now I want you to add two to that number, get it in your head, shout it out loud. One, two, three. Did we just add? Okay. Now I want you to divide by two, on the count of three. One two, three. Now I want you, on the count of three, to subtract your original number and yell it out loud. One, two, three. What God does is He brings together people from all varied backgrounds and experiences and and places of brokenness. Listen, my, my brokenness is perhaps different than some of yours probably like some of yours. Some of your places of brokenness are probably much different than mine. But what God does in Christ, what God does in Christ, is He brings us together in a way that is one. Because what Jesus did on the cross was enough. What Jesus did on the cross was adequate. What He did was He calls us to relationship with Him. And as we live out of the truth of that, we demonstrate in us, in this body, this is the amazing part of this. As we give into that truth, He makes Himself known to the world and to one another. And He works through people. That's why he calls us a temple where he lives. That's amazing stuff. The idea that God has called us to something like that. And, and you're being here, you're sitting in these seats. Our participation today is a reminder of that truth that tells us who we are. Because it's easy to forget. That's why your participation in the larger body of believers is so important so important don't take that for granted don't take for granted the learning experience that is participation in the body that tells us who we are and what we need let's go ahead and pray friends God, the truth that uh, we sit in these seats, not because of work done by us, but because of your work for us, Lord, that truth changes everything. It tells us who we were. rebellious, helpless, hopeless, dead in trespasses and sins. It tells us, Lord, who we are. A a new humanity, a new creation, a new group of people who have an amazing calling. You've called us to live like Jesus in gentleness and humility and patience. To bear with one another in love. and love that's demonstrated to us by You so that we could live it out. Father, we love You for this truth. We give our hearts to You because of this truth. we beg for greater knowledge of of You and what You've done for us so that when You call us, when You call us to replicate the work of Christ in us by living as a witness to Your goodness and Your glory and Your wonder and Your amazing work, that we would stand not sitting here because of our adequacy, but because of Your perfection. Lord, we ask that Your presence would be among us in this body of believers so that our unity would be made known, so that our witness would be effective, so that as we give ourselves... a relationship with You in prayer and in Word that You would work in us. That You would make us more like You. That You would work through us. And we could stand and wonder that we get to see You redeem Sinners to yourself. That is amazing work, Lord, and we love you for it because we've experienced it if we call you Lord and Savior. And we long to see it in the lives of others. Make of this body of believers, make of this church unified for the sake of mission so that we could see you and your presence would be more and more real. And that as we come, as we worship, you would remind us of who you are and what you've done so that we would remember who we are and that to which you've called us. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.